start now okay welcome, welcome to, to free, free advice, advice. <laughs> we're your hosts rob zaleski and morgan beard here we fucking are yes now um you're gonna love this episode because <laughs> what we're about to improvise on what we're about to chat about is gonna be great and then coming up second half we got a question about supporting your partner when they have anxiety yes you ever been there i have but i'm not gonna <laughs> not get gonna into talk it about too it much right now so just stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. About a half hour into this shit, we're going to say the question and then we're going to give the advice on it. Yeah. So get that finger away from the home button. Don't yeah. be fast forwarding exactly 30 seconds. Yeah. Or do if you if you want to be joining us again 30 seconds from now. I hear our podcast better if you're distracted and skipping around, <laughs> making your own little audio collage out of it. <laughs> just scanning to random parts. Yeah. Scrubbing. Yeah. Yeah, just scrubbing. You know that TLC, TLC song, I Don't Want No Scrubs? Well, time for a remix, baby, because yeah. we do scrubbing want your welcome. scrubs. <laughs> get those knee pads on, get out the Clorox, start scrubbing away. You know that built-up water residue in your shower? Get at it today. <laughs> get at it, because that really is a great context for listening to a podcast. In the shower. Cleaning, oh. scrubbing something. <laughs> While you're showering. <laughs> well, that too, but the I find it hard to. The only place you're ever alone. <laughs> And you might have an idea worth <laughs> acting upon. Yeah, make sure you're listening <laughs> to free advice during that time, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what I was thinking is, hmm. you know, cleaning. Doing a hard labor oh, yeah. kind of task where you're just, you kind of want something to, you know, zone out to. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll cook or clean, you know, talking to someone on the phone. But I'll do that sometimes. But often it's like, you know, I wish I could be having a conversation right now where I would have to put in a little less effort, ah. a little more on autopilot. And yeah. if you're listening to two other people talk that can't even hear you, that's right where that's you That's like up. one of those phone calls where you make it and you can press the mute button and then uh -huh. play a little game where you're like, I wonder uh -huh. how many minutes before I have to unmute and they're uh -huh. asking if I'm still there. <laughs> mm. Uh-huh. One of those calls where you know the other person's going to be talking the whole time. Oh, both my parents? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. I feel no, the airwaves. They might be them. listening to this. So. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I don't even know if they know I have a podcast. I don't even know if they know what a podcast is. They might mm -hmm. know what a podcast is. That's like a radio like program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I explained it to my grandmother. Mm. She knows, but she can't remember anything, let alone I'm that sorry. I have a podcast. Hey, that's yeah. fine. She is doing amazing. She is 97. Yeah. And... Health-wise, she's doing great. She has diabetes. She's had that for, you know, 20 years. But so managing which, which that. Which kind, if it's not too personal to ask? Um, I believe type 2. Is that the kind I can blame her for or the kind that she just got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I blame the society at the time for not having, you know, they thought that apple juice was good for you. I thought apple juice was good for me all through mm -hmm. adolescence. Mm -hmm. I was trying so hard to be healthy and drinking apple juice the whole time, just... I was drinking milk. Wait, milk is good, isn't it? Well, it's bad about milk. If I mean, you have the enzymes that you can process it, do you? Yeah, dairy being a bad thing for you, you know, and then also, um, you know, the hormones, all that stuff. I wasn't drinking like fucking this cat. This milk was not from cows treated with whatever. It was like this milk, <laughs> this milk. is specifically from those cows. <laughs> we fucked up these cows. <laughs> yeah, we fucked them up, and actually, most of this is pus. 
<laughs> we got these from cows we found in the gutter. Um, yeah, no, actually, the you life of a dairy cow is very sad. You know, people that sell their blood for money, this is the bovine equivalent of that. And you're drinking their juice. <laughs> you are supporting absolute cow trafficking. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no. The life of a dairy cow is utterly horrifying because they just keep, like, basically impregnating them and you're just gonna slip in that suck utterly. Them up with horn- yeah yeah say utterly like that oh utterly <laughs> don't act like that was unconscious you didn't mean oh, to it do was that. completely really? unconscious i did not mean to do that at all i told you i didn't even turn my funny bone on today i don't know what mm. i don't I, i'm just gonna be your i got you your straight man today. i found i found that bone switch i flipped it while you were fiddling with that coffee table <laughs> That was Rob struggling to name <laughs> a furniture object, <laughs> any furniture object. In order. No, I know um, you have a coffee table because you got a book of Sudoku one, on it. But it's over there. It is right. not within reach. But I, I'm like sort of covering up my own feeling of inadequacy by poking fun at you. So I'm sorry. Sorry I did that. Oh, it's fine. I don't even remember what it was about. Oh, oh, struggling to. Yeah. 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 That's fine. That's fine. yeah. All right. So you drank milk. I drank apple juice. Mm-hmm. What do you drink now? Um, water, lots of water. Water. That is the real adult drink. Me too. Yeah. Um, I have a glass of, (laughs) a cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) Not a glass. (laughs) I definitely don't put coffee in a glass. That would be insane. Yeah, I've tried. Um, yeah, no. too hot. Yeah, it's it's, it's hot. No, there are It hurts your hand to hold. You got to wrap it in a napkin then. That's just more than I'm willing to tolerate. That's why I got a mug. That's why I got a handle. It's nice to have a napkin under every drink as kind of like a minor spills coaster. And um, if you're holding a really cold drink in Mm -hmm. the same hand that you want to shake people's hands with. Mm. At a bar, for instance, I always grab a couple extra napkins. Not for the wetness so much as the cold. Okay. Your hand could just be sweaty and wet. I, yeah, What's I don't more sweat off-putting? that much. I don't You're know. shaking somebody's hand. Let's talk handshake okay. etiquette. Yeah, yeah. Oh for my a god, minute. please. All right, this please. Is, I'm really passionate about this topic. I do. handshakes are so important. <laughs> How do. much was that stress to you as a child? The importance of a handshake being right. Well, I was one of those kids that like was mandated to be in one of those like dance classes where you like also kind of learn etiquette and mm-hmm. stuff. So you know, we were like. God forbid you curtsy the wrong way or some kind of shit like that. So okay. yeah, the handshake, you have to, you know, look at the right part of them. You have to be wearing your name tag what in the right is that? place. Do you want to specify? Eyes, eyes. Okay, look Always eyes, eye. never boobs, right. never penis, right. if you can help it. <laughs> look um, them in the penis. <laughs> look them straight stare, in the eye. <laughs> Shake their hand in a jerking motion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um hand jobs were not encouraged. <laughs> Because we were like nine, so it's like not quite the right age for that. No. Um, but yeah, you got to like reach your hand out the right way, yeah. whatever, Mr. Nice to meet you, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, whatever, la la la. Um, little curtsy, you know, different levels you, of formality. When was the last time you curtsied? Oh boy, then, probably. Okay, nine years old. <laughs> um, authentically, then. <laughs> um, not after finishing a performance, you'd bow? I don't really, I, I rarely perform. Okay. Um, my performances were also relegated to that era of my life, you know, being like nine. Um, but yeah, so, you know, anything is important in terms of like first impression. I mean, every, everything to me was a potential anxiety inducer of how, you know, I got to do this properly, that properly adults have to like me. Holy shit. I'm going to die. If not, um, as an adult, I will often intentionally like reach my hand out to someone to see as an invitation of like, Okay, what kind of person are they? You know, because yes. to me, the handshake tells a lot. Um, the biggest sin, if we're ready to dive into the topic, yes. Um, to me, the biggest handshake sin is the dead fish. 
Can I demonstrate? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where your, your hand just sits there with mm-hmm. li- all limp fingers. No attempt to grip my fingers whatsoever. I think worse than that is too hard. When really? somebody really like, I don't think that they would do it as much to you as other men will do to me sometimes. Mm. I think this is the difference between like uh, a muscle car that down the street and everyone's like, that guy's got a big rubble, dick, rubble, I bet. Rubble, you know, rubble, yeah. mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they roll their eyes and say, mm-hmm. hey, cool, man. Versus like a Prius, which is just also annoying, but like <laughs> inoffensive. It's sneaky, you know? Um a I low think, impact type of annoyance. Yeah, exactly. No emission it's, of annoyance. <laughs> the dead fish is the Prius of the handshake mm. world. Um, mm. Those people that are just gripping and like trying to uh, roll your knuckles oh, sometimes. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, though that's uncomfortable too. It's like, what are you trying to prove right now? Yeah. Okay, I get it. Firm, but not. With that type of person. Yeah. How do you find they often uh, – what's their decision-making on the pumps? Are they high, the pumps. heavy pumpers? Um, what's the right amount of pump? Um, I don't know that they do it any different than, okay. the, than a regular person. Because sometimes I get the person who – I've gotten a couple of handshakes mm-hmm. that are you know way too hard, um, and it's often like quick, aggressive pumping almost shaking mm-hmm. shake really shaking they're taking handshake very literally yes um and yeah i find that off-putting obviously for sort of the same reasons that you do but i actually don't agree that it's worse than the dead fish i always prefer someone who tries at all rather than someone who doesn't try like someone who's trying a little too hard to me it's like okay i still recognize that you're trying versus someone who is like I'm guessing people don't do this as much to you, the, the hurting your hand maybe. thing. Or maybe I just have sensitive little baby hands, but <laughs> I doubt it. I think that men will do this more mm. to other men to show them, like, yeah, you want to squeeze hard? Yeah, like, let's get into a hand kind of like, oh, no. Yeah. Much rather somebody not threaten me <laughs> through, through their greeting. <laughs> yeah, fair. So how do you respond as someone who is being taken in in this overly assertive way? Um, I assume that they're uncomfortable with themselves, that they're threatened by me or mm. insecure in some way. Uh, and I'm just trying to get, reclaim my personal space totally. as soon as possible, get my hand back from them, yeah. make sure this doesn't turn into one of those handshake that becomes a hug and they <laughs> slap my back too hard too. That's something. Accidentally burp you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I don't need burped anymore. I, I handle my own burpings. Yeah. Um, but how do you reach back there? I find that it's really hard to reach back there. I don't properly have really burp issues myself. burping. I just wiggle around. Okay. I really wish. I really wish someone would still burp me. Really? Yeah. I've yeah. asked for that before. Okay. It's a real demoralizing ask. You're like, hey, listen. Yeah. You sidle up next to them and you kind of slump your shoulders and you look at them and you go, "Can you burp me? <laughs> <laughs> Am I just unburpable to you?" <laughs> I have some gas needs to come out real bad. Can you be my hero? I think just kind of bouncing yourself. Oh, yeah, the listeners can't hear. Uh, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. see it. I'm bouncing. <laughs> well, sometimes that's Get not enough. Those biggins balls or a yoga ball if you have to. Well, see, this is normally my last ditch effort. It's like I've tried the, the bouncing. I've tried the self-tapping on my own back. Mm-hmm. I've tried to just open my mouth and kind of like, yeah, like just relax. Bit, yeah. no, nothing. No. I'm I'm desperate by the time I'm asking for help in this arena. Mm. Yeah. I struggle to ask for help a lot of times. Okay. 
Do we want to finish the hand wrap up the handshake diatribe? Yes, okay. I have yeah. a uh, yeah, figured. A, I have a type of handshake that I would like to. It's a novelty handshake. I'll okay. admit, you should only okay. do this with somebody where you're allowed to be a bit playful, or mm. you're willing to take that risk and break some social rules. Yeah. But here's how it goes. Okay. You engage normally. And then you pull their hand. Oh God. I'm not going to demonstrate on you because you're okay. across the table. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You pull their hand up to your shoulder. And then with your left hand, you grab their elbow and you aim like you're holding a <laughs> rifle down the barrel of their arm. So your eye should be at about their wrist uh-huh. and you should look like you're taking aim with a rifle. Excellent. And you can uh, squint one eye. You know how you often close one eye to line up your sure. sights on oh, a shot. Yeah. Oh, every is, time I shoot my rifle, you got to line it up. This is real fun. And the uh, quicker you can transition from like smiling and being friendly to looking like you're about to kill somebody with their arm. <laughs> yes. Makes it. That's what really sells fun. it. Yeah. Um, originally, when you pulled back the the arm and went in with the other arm, I thought you were just going to honk, honk them. I didn't grab realize. your boob. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. not mine specifically, but like, no, you know, I'm going to tap Right underneath that meaty spot? No, this is probably even best performed on men, I would say. Okay, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Woman's wearing high heels and you can throw her off balance. Not that men can't wear high heels and can't be thrown (laughs) off balance. It's just less common. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a different level of what's appropriate in terms of like general aggressiveness, especially depends on your relationship with the woman. That's true. Definitely not a first meeting type of handshake. Right. The rifle. And I think if you're if you're a guy, you're more likely to go for a hug upon second mm. meeting of a woman. Okay, let's talk hugs versus handshakes. Sure, sure. I try and transition to hugs pretty early on. Yeah. But there are some people who wear colognes that I don't want to get on me. Mm. And I know this, mm-hmm. but I've hugged everybody else in the circle. And then I come up and I'm like, all right, well. Do I just handshake now? How do I deal with this? I know I'm going to smell like this for hours. I think you got to bite the bullet. And just hug him. Because otherwise that person's like going, what the fuck changed? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have a sensitive little baby nose, <laughs> company your sensitive little baby hands. What if, what if, <laughs> what if... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I do have a sensitive little baby nose, but it's a big nose is why it's so sensitive. If it was little baby, it wouldn't be such a problem. Wouldn't suck in as much air yeah, as molecules. Have such a wide net to catch those <laughs> <laughs> those atoms. Um yeah. uh, I just also want to be really clear that I was only saying that because we were doing I was a callback. I didn't want to I don't want to insult you, make you think that I think you're a sensitive little baby in any domain, because I don't. It's okay. I am sensitive, I believe, to certain things, and mm-hmm. that is both a strength and a weakness, depending on the context. Yeah. As it is with all strengths and weaknesses. You know, totally. every flaw is uh, has some silver lining, I'm sure. Absolutely. Has some use. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's sort of like a mirror reflection of something that's a positive thing that mm-hmm. would, that turns out that can be a flaw and depends on the person. It depends on who's receiving it. Exactly. All kinds of shit. Context. There's whatever. a cost to every strength as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you uh, if you want to date a woman who's extremely beautiful and well put uh-huh. together, uh, don't complain that it takes them a very long time to prepare for things, or they spend so much time worrying about fitness, or, or that other men look at them. Yes, mm-hmm. there are costs about all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh man, I had something. 
Oh, Is okay. It the hug and handshake? New segment. Okay. Circuitous solutions. Great. My favorite type. So you've got somebody. <laughs> you've got somebody in your circle that wears too much cologne. Okay. You can't just tell them. When do you when do you have that conversation? Mm. Unless this is a person you're close enough to have scheduled a monthly feedback conversation where you're just honest about all of your feelings with each other. <laughs> this yeah. isn't going to come up. It's hard so. to segue into that type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Unless you're having sex with a person and right. you're trying to work on your communication skills to get closer and but it is interesting though, like when you are in a relationship with someone and someone is like your partner, yeah. for some reason that just opens the door to like, now I can share all of my criticisms. Oh, yeah. as, of as, as soon as somebody's seen your genitals, you're allowed to tell them whatever you want. And it's even encouraged. It's healthy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, when you came over today, mm-hmm. there was like a little fuzz in your hair mm-hmm. and I kind of reached up and removed it. But I, before doing that, I did a calculation of like, like, should I do this? Is this too much? Genital check. (laughs) Have we ever seen each other's genitals? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Then I can take that (laughs) right off that hair. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that though. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, I mean, I feel like it was probably dandruff and you're calling it fuzz to be nice. No, it was fuzz. Mm, It was my fuzz. It was fuzz. That was a flake of my skin. (laughs) I mean, if you want it to be that, that's fine. But like as the person who, as the recipient and withdrawer, of the fuzz and disposer of the fuzz. Yeah. I can say with the utmost confidence that it was fuzz. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Human fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's the solution to the cologne problem. You institute in your group of friends anonymous feedback boxes. Okay. <laughs> These are little plastic trapper keepers, Tupperwares. Yeah. And, um, you just write, you make a little duct tape label where you Sharpie everybody's name on them. And then you start with a couple innocuous totally. feedbacks, positive totally. things. And then you slip one in that says too much cologne into this person's box. <laughs> <laughs> and then you slip like five of them all in different handwriting styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write one with yeah. your left hand, yeah. one with your right hand, one with pencils in your mouth. So that they think a bunch of people think that. And then yeah. when later it's revealed that the entire thing was a scheme, just so you could tell this friend that they wear too much cologne, then yeah. that's when the friendship really solidifies. <laughs> yeah. When you get to come clean about that. Yeah. Hey, listen, man. Remember I have five something years to admit. <laughs> cologne intervention <laughs> then in 2015. You guys are tight. <laughs> I would say that those conversations where you get to tell somebody how you were feeling about them and the feelings you were hiding mm. make it worth hiding feelings in the first place because that's such a huge launching point for you to get closer. Yeah. So set up barriers in your friendship where you're just totally deluding them for years and then be like, listen, now that we're really close. (laughs) Let me tell you how I was lying earlier. Yeah. That always doesn't that if someone tells you comes clean about something Mm. that they're like, hey, I used to be like this with you and here's the truth. Yeah. I get so much closer with those people. What a trick. What a great trick. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. if someone has a recommendation, they want you to try um, Diddy Reese cookies or a Cold Stone ice cream or something. You've never had it. Uh-huh. Go in super skeptical, willing to do it, <laughs> but being like, all right, uh, this is going to suck, though. I have the lowest expectations. Uh-huh. And then when you first try it, give them a nod and a look like, you know what? This is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to love it so much more than if you're like lukewarm on the idea yeah. go in like it's a terrible idea but you're still willing to do it and then a little smirk creeps mm. onto that little <laughs> face of yours and you get to be like "Ooh, 
I was so skeptical Man, before. Man, you really changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, then your friend has a story. Like wow. this guy, he thought it was going to be terrible, but he loved it. <laughs> yeah, because then it becomes like a personal like uh, testimonial mm-hmm. to like, yeah, don't I make all the best recommendations? Mm-hmm. Tell him, Rob. You tell him. Exactly. You tell him about that time I took you to Cold Stone or whatever the fuck that first thing Diddy you said Reese. was. What is that? It's um, it's by UCLA. Oh, okay. It's in that little village. Oh. Whatever. You'll have to try it. It's a Take famous me sometime. cookie place. But I don't want to go, really. <laughs> you're you? going to have to really convince me. <laughs> you're going to love this shit. you got to trust me, man. <laughs> I don't know, Rob. You've led me astray in the cookie department before. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Never recommended a cookie. <laughs> that is true. I was just doing that bit for the listeners. Oh, good. Yeah. I recommend going off cookies if you can. Mm. Sugar, apparently, is, is the bad guy. <laughs> We've been looking for the bad guy, and we finally found him, and he's sugar. So that should just clear up right all, all of your problems. So we'll, we're end, that is the end of free advice. <laughs> end of free <laughs> just advice. don't stop eating sugar. Avoid. Bye. <laughs> Avoid sugar. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you have any advice that you want to ask me for? Oh, aside from the sugar thing and what cookies should I eat? I mean, you might be overloaded by now. That's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. I probably should have thought about this and prepared for this. but um, Whatever. The answer can be no. Yeah, the answer could be no. How about I how about I spin it around on you? You tell me if you have one and then we can go from there. I can build one up in the process. So, do you have any questions for me that you would like my advice on? Mm. Um do you have any interventions when you have recognized that you're procrastinating? Ooh. And you know you want to be doing something else, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. feel like there is a demon in control of your body, and you are in the passenger seat with your mouth duct taped and your hands okay. tied behind your back, yeah. and you are uh, unable to control your continuous scrolling through your phone, yeah. even though you have something to get to. I find myself in that situation most days at some mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. and I have the mindfulness mm-hmm. to know, like, okay, I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm a prisoner in my own body. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, The first thing that I would say would be along the lines of mindfulness, Mm -hmm. acknowledge that feeling. Okay. I feel like I'm duct, my mouth is duct taped. I'm in the passenger seat and someone else is driving, right? So you're observing the power dynamic as it is. The demon. I'm I'm so sorry. He's howling. He's drinking a bottle of vodka with his head out. Oh my God. (laughs) Is it in a paper bag? Is he a real rap scallion? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, think about that. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Sure. Um, I'll put it in a paper bag. He's a hooligan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was um, just in a bottle with an XXX mark on it. That's what it was. Um, and there was cartoon steam coming out of his ears. Yeah. So, um, so become a, notice the way that the situation is yes. currently. Make okay. a note of that. That's where you're, that's your starting point. And then you kind of ask yourself, okay, this is a moment where, I, is this a moment where I need to regain the, the uh, driver's seat? Um, Ooh, that's dangerous for me because then I'm always going to answer no. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, okay. We're all going to die someday. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But some days it might and some days it might not. But if you always. Depending on what, like, does okay. it ever matter? Do, do I ever need to? Do I need to? Yeah, because sometimes you will need to and sometimes you won't. What makes it a, a need? That would be your determination. Okay. Um, based on how, how committed do you want to be when you set out for the day to do X, Y, and Z or to not procrastinate on whatever, whatever. Like if something, if you know you have to do something by Thursday, you may not need to 
really switch gears and change that power dynamic on Monday. You could do it mm. on Wednesday. You could really yeah. large scale procrastinate. My mm. point is, oh, um, if your assessment is that you need to retake control, you, I mean, that's a different thing than if you're just saying, I could do it, I would like to do it. Um, so then I would kind of, um, let's say you decide, yes, I do want to regain control. I do want to be in the driver's seat. Um, then you kind of interrogate yourself further of saying like, okay, um, is that something I feel capable of right now? Um, I think the longer that you can kind of allow yourself to be in a non-judgmental, rational dialogue with yourself, the, the, the more you can pull apart what's the demon in the driver's seat and what's me in the passenger seat and regain that agency a little bit. Um, and sometimes it may not be enough. Sometimes the demon may have way too much control, be way too big and you're little and tiny and your arms are strapped tight and your mouth is like completely shut. Other times you you're you might not have duct tape on your mouth. You might be able to talk to the demon and engage mm -hmm. with it. I think every day you have a little bit of a different kind of power setup with them and feel a little more, a little less agency depending on, you know, how tired are you? What's your emotional state? Um, because... I think that probably you won't win every single battle with the demon. And that's no. kind of what I mean about picking and choosing. Um, is this a day where I really need to get my act together and be able to overcome this? Or is this a day where I can take a deep breath and just say, you know what? <sighs> I can't do it today. Mm. Um, and then so kind of, the again, the more that you can be in your rational brain and um, make that kind of decision, um, yourself, or maybe you build up with like smaller decisions. Um, like sometimes what I do, if I'm struggling with, Oh, I know I have to do this big project, whatever, whatever I'll say, okay, well, so I'm right now I'm feeling like I don't have the personal power or personal agency to do this project, whatever it is. Well, okay, what can I do right now? What kind of a task would be small enough that I could be in the driver's seat in my own way? Oh, like, okay. okay, give maybe yourself I'll a little win. Get off the couch. Yeah, maybe I'll get off the couch and get myself a glass of water. Okay, now that I'm standing, how do I feel? Do I feel a little more agency in my situation? You know, build, build up to it. Um, that and, sounds like some advice I've heard to do two push-ups. Mm. I that, can't even do two push-ups. You could do two. <laughs> Okay, well, whatever the equivalent <laughs> sure. of that is. Something for your, that would be easy for you. For the yeah. Morgan body. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's two push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, or yeah. brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. It's another one I've heard because you get that mm. state change in your mouth. Something feels different. Yeah. Just disruptor. And mint can be a very, like, invigorating mm -hmm. um, kind of scent mm -hmm. taste. Um, yeah. I think that not allowing yourself to get too looped into that emotional narrative of here I am, like this demon's got control. This demon's really big and really hairy, really whatever. Like what can you do to regain a small sense of agency for yourself um, and put yourself in a different driver's seat? And then maybe you'll work up to starting that project or just taking the first step. Um, often I'll tell myself, okay, look, you don't have to do the whole thing. Just open your computer, type, open up a document, write some stuff out, whatever mm -hmm. the thing is. Um, you know, often for me, it's like needing, feeling like I need to write something. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell myself, look, I can write whatever the fuck I want. I just have to open the computer. 
and I can the first paragraph can just be um, sometimes just getting it doing the physical task of it without mm. attaching any significance to it has to be good or it has to be just revving the engine without going right. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just In sort this, of miming yeah. the process can sometimes get your brain to go, okay, actually, now that I'm miming it, it wouldn't be that bad for me to actually take that next step um, of putting some thought and intention into what I'm writing. This is going to go deeper into the metaphor. Sure. Is it better for me to imagine kicking the demon out of the car so that I can drive? Mm. Or remaining a hostage but in a car where an angel is driving instead? Depends on what you need. If you how are, would, what go? Yeah. I mean, how do if, I know what I need? If I was in a mood where I felt like, you know what, I really need to feel like someone else, some other sort of being, quote unquote, mm-hmm. has my back and and has the control, and I'm just saying, okay, this is the task we need to do, but I'm and I'm kind of handing it over to a higher power, so mm-hmm. to speak, and I'm just along for the ride. Some days that might be the thing that gets me to feel like, okay, yeah, I can do this. But other days, yeah, I might need to feel like, okay, there needs to be a real power exchange here. I'm saying fuck you to this demon and I'm taking charge. It kind of depends on what mental or emotional space feels more comfortable for me to occupy. So if I'm driving, Mm -hmm. do I imagine that the demon is handcuffed and mouth taped in the seat next to me or that he is entirely kicked out of the car and now hitchhiking lonely on the side of the road? If the visualization with the demon helps you, you just imagine him doing whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) give me advice. You owe me this. You didn't ask for advice. (laughs) That's true. I have something now, but I... um... Ooh, you're welcome. Go ahead, give it to me. No, no, I really feel compelled. I really, I really, some, some, something inside of me makes me feel like I owe you this. (laughs) Something inside you. (laughs) Yes, good, my demon. (laughs) Yeah, your demon, your demon. He's in your car now, too. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I always start with whatever the thing is, just observe where it is, imagine what would feel right for me right now. What would I really like the scenario to be? Yeah. And then if you're, if you're, visualization engine kind of takes it in a different direction. That's something to notice too. Um, like if you say that, yeah, I'd really like to kick the steam out of my car, but you, when you close your eyes and imagine it, it's not happening. He eats your foot. You have to make. <laughs> <laughs> now how are you going to hit the brakes? Oh my God. You got to get a custom car. He's the only it's one with feet left. <laughs> now you're fucked. Now your visualization has gotten so <laughs> complex. It's a new way of procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're like yeah. fuck what i was trying to write i'm just gonna write this demon thing instead this is compelling <laughs> sure and then depending on what your goal was at Midway the outset you're that. doing it yeah i guess so yeah you got it into a play space and there again you again have agency yeah um when you're playing have you ever done third person exercises where instead of saying i'm feeling this way you say morgan is struggling in the passenger seat of her car hmm. bound and gagged by a demon I'm less that type of uh, substitution and more of like, um, like I will often use the tool of thinking like, okay, if so-and-so were in this scenario, yeah. how would I respond to it? Um, you know, cause sometimes I have oh. a hard time seeing myself objectively. If someone be harder that, on myself, you know, someone that, who do you say so-and-so is it someone that you look up to somebody that you respect Somebody that you care I'm about. I'm not sure it matters too much. Really, okay. anyone other than me. If someone else, if a client, for example, okay. was going through what I'm going through, what would I tell them? Mm. Um, if they were coming to me with this, if they were feeling this way, if they were struggling with this, would I be 
pissed and judgmental and frustrated, fuck no. Mm -hmm. I would meet them with empathy and I would listen to what they have to say. And I would say, you know, yeah, that sucks. Like, what do you want to do with, you know, just sometimes it's more of, it's less of like, I get sort of a totally different output content wise and more of just like, it's a different energy with which to regard myself. It's more compassionate um, and more forgiving, which we often forget to do for ourselves. We give it to other people. Yeah. And we've somehow written ourselves off as people that don't deserve this or that. We've already had too many concessions for us and we're lazy and we're right. whatever. It's just not true. It's just whatever bullshit narrative is running around our head. Do you find that stepping outside of yourself or imagining that it's someone else, is that effective for you? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. Not always. But it's it's been a really useful tool. Um but again, it, it's sort of like what I was saying with the demon imagery. It's like the more that you can recognize <laughs> the demon as this separate uh, entity that you've created and that you see yourself as separate from that. This is very fundamental sort of like mindfulness stuff. Is like okay. if you can put yourself in the role of a neutral observer observing the thoughts or the emotions, you've then created a separation and you've created the possibility um, of disengaging from it now that you've recognized them as two separate or labeled them as two separate entities. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, so I have a question for you now, yes, now that please. I've come up with something in the interim. Um, so I was thinking about this, um, over the past like week or so. And I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I, I have certainly, I've certainly given advice on this topic too. Um, and I don't know why I have to do all this fucking preamble. Like I'm have to prove something to someone. Um, I have a tough time sometimes with, um, not knowing how much I need to be responsive to people on my phone and Mm. through texting. I sometimes, every time like I'm in a mode where I'm like trying to do my own thing. I see like something pop up on my phone and I have this like, ugh response like shit, somebody like needs something from me. I got to deal with this. I got to deal with that rather than being like, Ooh, you know, I have sort of a, an already a feeling of overextendedness, um, often with regards to my digital correspondence. (laughs) Um, and so I've tried a lot of different ways to limit myself from, you know, checking text messages at a time when I want to be focused on something else or, um, you know, put my phone on airplane mode or don't get notifications here or there or whatever. Um, and I've tried a lot of those different things and, you know, they work to different extents, but I keep bumping up against the same kind of wall of like, there is just more to respond to and engage with here than I want mm-hmm. to even fit in my life. And so short of deciding I'm not going to respond to someone at all, how do I limit the amount that I, the amount of time and energy that I devote to corresponding in this way? I think you turn off your phone more and set that precedent. That it won't be reachable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you're not always available. Yeah. It shouldn't be. It's it's not good for us. No. I, I think you agree with me. Yeah. Absolutely. So don't have notifications on all the time and ideally go into airplane mode more often. 
Yeah. Or you can still use it to check the time or write a note or whatever, take a picture. Yeah. But you're not receiving requests. But then when I turn off airplane mode, I'm like, ooh, like, you know, bracing myself for <laughs> whatever that, that influx deluge. is going to be. Yeah. And I've tried to, you know, sort of regain the passenger, regain my position from the passenger seat to the mm -hmm. driver's seat of going, okay, like instead of putting off answering these text messages, I'm just going to text for like 10 minutes and then I'm going to like put my phone away again. But then it, it, like it, you know, it keeps kind of pushing that cycle forward. But yeah, I mean, I think developing a reputation as someone who isn't always available is probably yeah. the way to go. The best people are the worst textures, I think. <laughs> Develop a reputation as a bad texter. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Why? Well, I mean, I definitely feel beholden to a lot of people in that in that way and, and many other ways. I think that was how I was raised to be. Is the quality of response uh, more important than how quickly you get back to them? How important is it that you're within the hour respond to a text? Not. Not important. What about same day? Pretty important. Okay. Can you uh, find a time to re respond to a batch of texts? Yeah. What's some other activity you think you could anchor text I mean, responses to? I think one of the problems, th that's a great idea. I think one of the problems is that like some people, you know, I really enjoy texting with them and I want to invite that into my downtime. And then, but some things at different times feel different amounts of taxing, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes I'm talking with a friend or, you know, talking with Noah and, and we're having a back and forth banter and it's fun. And that's like its own activity that, that really enriches the time I'm whatever I'm doing with my time. Um, but other times I'm just, I think what I have is like, which I think is not uncommon, this like ambient nervousness that something is just something is going to come in that I'm going to have to respond to. Mm -hmm. And whether it does or doesn't, it, it almost doesn't matter. I really like that in airplane mode, you don't get to know yeah. and yeah. you can set a timer for when you'll be back. Yeah. That's helped me a lot when I actually do that. Yeah. I want a reputation for being bad and irresponsible. You could, you could do it. <laughs> well, then there's the other it's layer a, of like, you know, I have my clients and I do feel responsible yeah. to them and, but they don't, they're not expecting to hear back from me at the drop of a hat. Right. Um, what if you were with another client during that time? They totally. They want you to be texting them then. Totally. So. Totally. And that's, again, where it comes, where I, can, where I use that, that third person mm -hmm. sort of barometer of like, yeah, if I was in this situation, I wouldn't want, you know, X, Y, or Z. Or if they were in, you know, I can see it more clearly sometimes when it's not mm -hmm. through that filter, that distortion filter of like whatever my narrative or how I have to be in the world in order to be good or like approved by some eternal parent. Um, so um, what's a response to Morgan? Why didn't you text me back right away? I texted you, Morgan. <laughs> no one's ever, no one besides my parents have, has ever expected anything like that. But me. is that the voice that's uh, mm -hmm. making oh. you nervous? Oh yeah. Okay. So this, oh, definitely. these people who are, if they're, maybe they're not saying it to you, they're saying, they're saying it out loud at their phone and then they're like, all right, settle down, settle down, compose myself. Just respond to her with a, hope you're okay. Just checking in or whatever. <laughs> so what would you say to them? These people that are these mysterious people that we have no idea who they are. The ones that you're exactly imagining are upset yeah. that you haven't gotten back to them or they, they texted you and you're not, you're not responding. I mean, 
frankly, I would like to be like, hey, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, there's definitely an anger to it of like, you, um, you can't just have me on demand, you know, mm-hmm. in this way. Like, it has to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really hard to set boundaries in the ways that are hard for us to set boundaries and have always been, you know, um, that's, it's scary. It's scary because it's like, if we say no, what will the consequences be? And often the consequences were very high, big, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever the word for much many of them is in this (laughs) context. Sure. Um, yeah, I've, I definitely had a, uh, a couple of that's come up in a couple of sessions with clients lately, the setting boundaries issue and just it being so terrifying and not knowing where to start. And I just, am like, I fucking feel you in a different way mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent. It's like, yeah, it's really, really hard to retrain someone who has expected you to behave a certain way for your entire life to treat you differently, you know, with a new friend or someone who, you know, you've only known in like your adult life, it's much easier Mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, like you recognize that I'm an adult that is independent and has agency. And I recognize that of you and I don't expect you to be flatly available for me all the time. Um, But with people who, you know, are family or have known us longer, it's much harder. There's so much more weight to that um, existing narrative they have about who you are going to be for them and what role you're going to play. Yeah. yeah. No, <clears throat> I can relate to that, this uh, feeling that I must continue to be the person that I am in someone else's mind, that I have been cast in that role and that I cannot break from that character. Yeah. Because you'd really be disappointing me. And I, oh, how Mm -hmm. could you do that to me? And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, sorry, I'm evolving and I'm not really responsible for keeping myself pinned down to this vision that you have of me. Right. Um, I mean, it's the difference between that and being like, just suddenly I'm a total flake that, you know, can't be um, held responsible for anything. But often that's how we feel Yes, we're coming across when we try to set a boundary with someone that d- isn't used to us doing that. Right. Yeah. And often they'll tell us exactly how they feel about it. No, you can't do this to me. I'm your whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm your... But it's like, that's their adjustment process. And you have to let them have that, like, whatever emotional response that they're going to have and, and take a breath and be like, this isn't about me. This is about them. Right. This uh, segues nicely into our question Fucking for the day. Yes. So how about we take that listener's question? Question of the day. Mm. All right. This question comes from the anxious infected. Mm. The subject is partner's anxiety. Yeah. <clears throat> Clear Excuse that throat. <laughs> yes, I must. Get ready for this. <laughs> I have a request for advice, but it may not be the right sort of question. I want to ask for advice on how to support a partner with anxiety while also take care and care while also taking care of oneself. I have encountered this issue over the past few years. Many people have written articles about how a partner's anxiety can be contagious and can leak over and infect the partner without anxiety. 
I've experienced this myself at times. So it's difficult in that sense. But in a second sense, it's difficult because you know the other person is being irrational, but that they can't help it. And you want to be supportive, but your soothing behavior can oftentimes be boring. I experience it as repetitive and tiresome after a while. Hmm. Okay. So what do we think is really the question that this listener is getting at? Is it, is it how do I protect myself? How can I cope? What strategies can I use to deal with the partner? All of the above. What are we zeroing in on here? Um, I see it as two things. They get bored and tired mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. dealing with the same irrational thoughts of their partner over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, they're worried about them becoming more anxious as a right. result of being okay. exposed to this line of thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, holy hell. Um, I have quite some credentials in the like experiencing anxiety and experiencing others with anxiety. I think we've both been on both sides of this relationship. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely go right to thinking about, um, initial again. I mean, again, just like you said, it was a perfect segue because it is such a question about what have I learned my role to be with my, Mm -hmm. um, significant other. Um, and I know for me, um, you know, I'm someone who deals with anxiety. My partner is someone who deals with anxiety. And uh, we, I, I'm also, I also recognize the connection that that has with, um, you know, what have I dealt with in my relationships with my parents? Um, and, you know, examining what are the things that I do and don't wish to repeat what are the best practices, what has and hasn't worked. And also acknowledging that obviously they're all separate, very separate people. Um, but I think for this person, it's, it's important for, um, do we have a, uh, sex? Yeah. Let's say a female mid twenties. Okay. So for, um, for her, I think she needs to decide for herself what is an acceptable amount of anxiety to take on? Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime that you are just, you are with someone, you spend a lot of time with them, your lives are intertwined, you're going to pick up some of, you know, what they're putting out there, um, you know, the positive and the negative. Right. Um, their speech patterns, their yeah. ways of being. Yeah. And I think that there is a level of anxiety that's totally normal, healthy, fine. Um and she needs to decide kind of what is her line of like, where does it get problematic? Where does it get to a point where I'm really questioning myself on way too deep and frequent of a level that I'm not comfortable with? And, and um, you know, so, so I think there needs to be both a conversation internally for her yeah. as far as what is too much anxiety for me? What does yeah. it mean? Like setting up those metrics. Because often if we feel that kind of personality leeching happening where you're absorbing something that your partner um, is putting out, we can lose sight of, okay, what am I actually, how much of this am I comfortable with? So I think that would be a place to start. You want to pick it up? Yes. um, Definitely taking care of yourself first and uh, attaching your own oxygen mask. Yeah. Because if you're drowning in anxiety with them, then you're, you could just be fueling each other's fires. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are 
two approaches to this generally, uh, three even. The typical male response, I think, is to try to fix, offer solutions mm. like, okay, you're anxious about this test, then here's your study schedule. Here's what you can do to uh, make sure that you get a better grade. Um, the second and often wiser in the moment is to just tell the person that you're hearing them and say that it's understandable that they're anxious. And uh, I, I just want to make a point about anxiety right off the bat, which is that, yeah, it, it's reasonable to be anxious. There's a lot of reasons that a person today would experience fear, nervousness. Let's, let's define anxiety first. Yeah, um, I see it as a uh, nervousness about the future yeah. and fear for everyday activities or even just common situations. Um, that is uncontrollable and feels like an internal attack or turmoil, just a feeling of like there's a hurricane going on inside of you because yeah. something coming up is very threatening. Right. right. That everybody feels that sometimes. Yeah. Some people feel that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tempting to, uh, when you've been in a relationship with a person like that, want to find somebody who does not have that issue in the future that like, okay, I'm just looking for someone who is a calm presence and who doesn't experience that type of anxiety. Cause I don't want to deal with that again. But if you love someone in the moment, uh, you're with them, you, you take on some of their problems and you care about them and you want to help them. So I think it can be helpful just to tell a person it's reasonable to be anxious. We live in a world where, we're constantly being poked with our what we should be insecure about, what we should be scared of. It's a way to compete for attention. Yeah, um, comparison to other people as well. So and so is doing this. Should I be doing this? Should I be yes. doing that? Should I be worried about? Yeah. Um, the media, the news, and entertainment, and social media all slant in that direction to uh, poke your ego and remind you of the things that you're uh, insufficient in or that could go wrong. And then your brain kind of picks up that process in your downtime. Like you, it's like, and in fact, it is like an infection. It's like a self-destructing virus. Just like you said, you'll be in a dull, uh, you know, a a lull and, uh, and your brain will like, boom, like a little internal stimulus, the external stimulus becomes internal. um, And you can't turn that faucet off. Exactly. So I think if a person is anxious, it just means that they've been paying attention to their environment. Um, so you can strip away a little bit of anxiety by just telling them that it's reasonable to be anxious and that that's okay and reminding them that you love them anyway. If you use that language with this person you're trying to support or just that you care about them and that you're there to listen. Um, I think that this is similar to giving sex feedback. There should be like in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. So if a person is experiencing an acute episode of anxiety that they're really freaked out about something, be there for them. Then don't give them the feedback that you're tired or bored in that conversation. But I think it is important for the health of relationship that you can give them that feedback at some point. So in a calmer moment, I think that, you can tell them and you should tell them that you experience boredom and um, that it strains on you, whatever your experience of those emotions is and in the, in the kindest way to express your truth, 
tell them that and tell them that you love them anyway or that you care about them even with that condition, that that is not um, something that makes you care less about them. Yeah. I think that that's the best that you can do because hiding your own feelings is probably going to make them wonder if you are. If they can trust you, then that's one less thing for them to be anxious about that, okay, this does bother them, but they're still willing to do it. Yeah, I think everything that you said is brilliant. Um, and... I definitely want to expand upon the... Brilliant, huh? Yeah, you know wow. I think you're brilliant. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Fucking giggle monster over there. Stop it. Um, yeah, no, I think that's all fantastic. And I just want to like add a little bit more uh, language and expand upon the yeah, like, please. how do you meet that anxiety when someone is really like live going through it um, and, and making it feel heard? Because um, any... I think generally speaking, anytime someone is experiencing sort of an excessive amount of, you know, a negative emotion or something, it's, it's some voice that's been kind of suppressed that's like really wanting to be heard and, and feeling unmet, a need that's feeling unmet in a certain way. And so just like Rob said, you know, when someone is really feeling in the thick of that need, that's not a great time to hold your hand up and go, no, I can't deal with any yeah. more of this because then you're also kind of modeling to them how are they going to deal with their anxiety. Mm. And if they're always putting their hand up and going, not right now, not right now, and trying to like suppress that emotion, ultimately it's not going to it, – it's going to uh, mount. And, it, you know, that I often treat that emotion, especially anxiety, like any emotion like that, as almost like a child that sometimes needs to have a tantrum. And the extent to which that you can kind of, as the partner to the person or the, the person themselves having this dialogue with their anxiety yeah. um, can, you know, acknowledge like, yes, my anxiety is being a little irrational right now. Um, but within the fr that frame, I'm going to let it air its grievances a little bit. I'm not going to slam the door in its face and make it more pissed and make it want to scream even louder. Um, I want to maybe even and this is something that you can help your partner with, setting up a, a boundary chunk of time to be like, I'm going to hear this anxiety out for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just kind of, as much as you can unfilter to just let it come out. I'm anxious about this. What if this happens at work? Well, what if this happens in our relationship? Whatever, 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 whatever. All those questions all coming from that same voice and that same energy, letting it kind of in an unfiltered, almost like almost like you're putting on a play, like you're, you're personifying, you're embodying this anxiety and letting it come out, giving it a voice. On and that topic, I think mm -hmm. um, having some physical exertion is a mm -hmm. great way to like do burpees. If you're in a small place and you can't run, if you can't go for a run right now or do something that takes up a lot of space, yeah. do burpees until you're breathing sure. really heavy and you feel like vomiting or take a really cold shower and then just activate your body. If, the, yeah. if it feels like this, these feelings can't come out, that's one way to like express them and yeah. manifest it. Yeah. And stand up, walk around, yeah. pace, like move your fists up and down. Like, you know, if you can be loud and scream, but maybe yeah. you live in an apartment building and totally. you don't feel right about that. I understand. Totally. But the more that you can, what we're speaking to is the more that you can loosen up the, the pathway for that, that externalization mm -hmm. of what's been inside bubbling up, the more productive the use of that chunk of time that you're going to devote to dealing with the anxiety is going to be. Um, but then I think 
like Rob said, there is a a time to go, okay, now <sighs> we're taking a breath and going, all right, so yes, all that stuff is inside me. I've had all those feelings. Um, and then there comes that moment of like, oh, what do I do with it? And I think this is a time where it's really important to distinctly kind of switch gears and go into a different um, version of yourself, one that's more sort of grounded and meeting the need of that tantruming child of going, okay, you're really anxious right now, just labeling it for what it is. I see that you're really anxious right now. Your your wheels are really spinning on this thing about work or this thing about, you know, often it's kind of ruminating on the same topic and you can go, wow, there's really a lot going on there and it's really evoking a lot of emotion. And there's no, just like Rob said, there's no, none of less, the less that you can do the kind of masculine problem solving in this moment, the better, the more that you can just acknowledge what it is fully, openly, non-judgmentally and not try to solve it, the more that you give yourself the message that, huh, I'm really here for this. I can really handle what's going on inside of me. And you can just be with it um, and not have to act on it. Not Neither the partner nor the initiator has to do anything with it. It's just this thing that's out in the space. And you guys can sit in that environment and just be with it. And that also, especially as the partner, you can reflect back to them that I'm here for this. And yes, it's big and scary and naughty and complicated and messy and you feel gross and ugly about it, you're self-conscious about it, whatever the thing is. Well, that's what life is like. (laughs) So here we are for it. We are handling it. We're giving it an environment where it can express itself. And then we're going, wow, thank you so much for expressing all of that to me. And, you know, see you again next time, basically. Um, And I think bracketing that conversation, like Rob said, with, I love you so much. I understand that you're struggling with this demon, so to speak. Um, And I want to give you this opportunity to really let it out without worrying about I'm judging you or I'm this or I'm that or I'm going to leave or I'm going to be upset. Let's just spend this time doing just that. And you don't have to compound it with guilt or shame, I'm here for it. And at the end, in the closing, kind of reminding them of that same thing of thank you so much for sharing this with me. I know it's really complicated. I know it's really messy and there's probably more to say on it. But, you know, this is the amount of bandwidth we've decided to allocate to this for now. And, you know, we've reached the end of that. And Mm -hmm. okay, how does it feel to have gotten that out? They might go down another long spiral or diatribe of more anxiety you can kind of sit there with it or you can say hey let sounds like you're going back down into that anxious place let's try to keep let's try to stay um on this other more kind of calm vibration more rational vibration with it for now um because i think that one of the reasons i'm sure you get tired and bored or you know there's there's that monotony to the same solution over and over again is because that's the nature of anxiety. It's the same thing over yeah. and over and over again. And so at a certain point, you both have to decide, even if it's uncomfortable or feels rude or feels whatever, we're gonna just we're gonna make a conscious choice to interrupt that stimulus and uh, you know, sort of 
have a beginning and have an end to the time you're allowing it. I'd like to uh, bring up the other option then. Mm, sure. Uh, do you think you can convert this energy into sexual energy and initiate sex with them in a way that allows them to release some of these feelings? I think uh, that this will be risky or sound uh, scary for some of the people listening, especially if you're usually um, just a receptive partner, not someone who initiates these moments. But if you're in a relationship with a person where they already trust you to listen to these things um, and to sit with them and accept these feelings, that sometimes you can make them feel better faster by kissing them, picking them up if you're strong enough to do that or... <laughs> initiating sex. Um, Hmm. Have you ever had an experience where that's been helpful to you or does that only sound offensive and like that's the last thing in the world you'd want? It doesn't sound offensive to me. Um, I would always worry about creating uh, an association between Uh, release from relief from a negative emotion and something comforting like food or sex. Um, because you don't, you just, you don't want to like mesh those things together, um, as the, as the mechanism for solution or resolution. Um, I think there is a way to do it, but I think there needs to be some kind of like in between palate cleanser, you know, like how if you're like trying perfumes, you smell like coffee beans or something in the middle. Um, just something to be like, okay, we've closed this chapter on anxiety. You can, yeah, you can kind of do a physically comforting thing and then be like, how would you feel about having sex right now? Or I don't know. I guess I I do feel a little bit of like a kind of unease with that as a blanket solution. Not as a blanket solution, I'm saying it's a sometimes. Right, right, um, right. I'm not saying it's never appropriate. I would just, that's that's the only caveat or disclaimer I would want to throw in of like, mm-hmm. don't irreparably create this association where the only thing that feels like it can break up that tension or unease is like, a, a, you know, right. something that's um, potentially kind of an addictive, like comfort food-ish kind right. of experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Have I ever had? Have you ever gone on? Have I ever gone on a total anxious tirade, and then someone's been like, "Let's fuck." Yeah. Um. I mean, probably. You shouldn't use that tone. I think it's about matching the person's energy in that sure. state, then. And uh, if they're shaking, nervously. like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're shaking too. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to then bring up another topic, which is. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that this person is not your only outlet, your Mm. partner Mm -hmm. and um, try to model that for them so that you're not their only source of comfort when they're having anxiety too, because you have your own life and you have your own anxieties and there are going to be times when you're unavailable. And that's just part of, uh, it doesn't matter how close you are with a person. If you take care of yourself, there are going to be moments where you can't be available for them. Um, and you're beholden to other people. So uh, if you can not be their only outlet for expressing anxiety, that's a situation you want to be in. And um, you should have other people that you can talk to about this relationship. I think it's great that you sent this in to us to talk. That means you probably are comfortable. Um, Make sure that there are people in your life that you can tell about the struggles that you're having with your partner, 
even before you're comfortable telling your partner that because maybe you want to work on the way that you'd say it, um, figure out the right words to express what you're talking about being tired or bored with them. Uh, I think that that's a really important way to deal with this problem. And I would also, when you were saying that Mm -hmm. about um, being open and honest with them about the ways that it negatively affects you, um, I would kind of frame it as, um, you know, sort of like these, how how do we set healthy boundaries, even with people that we care about in that conversation, I would frame it like, um, you know, this is something I know has been really affecting you and, you know, by proxy really affects me. And I think that both of us sort of have a limited ability to, to really, um, take it on and we shouldn't give it too much weight either personally or within the relationship. And so how can I maximize the, you know, limited amount of time that I want to give this? Um, because, you know, it creates stress for me, um, rather than saying that, that you have a, a response of being tired or bored. Cause that could, tr- I don't know how that person might internalize that message. Maybe someone has, you know, they've been told that they're tiring or boring and that might trigger something that you don't even know. Um, who knows? It could just be a total landmine. Um, and so I would kind of approach it like, so here's the problem. The problem is that there's this limited resource, which is both of our capacities to um, delve into the anxiety without getting lost in it or without it consuming too much. So how do we creatively solve this by, like, or, or, you know, how can we use our limited resources to best combat yeah. what you're experiencing? For both of your sake. Right, exactly. You think it would be better if you, um, if that, if your partner had other people to talk to about it as well, because your perspective is only one, totally. it's limited, and you only have so much energy and you want to spend some of it with them on yeah. the things that uh, attracted you to each other in the first place. Exactly. And so um, the uh, the one thing that I'm like obsessed with that I heard recently um, is, you know, upregulating positive emotions as well as downright regulating the negative. So like if you are continuously like in this kind of um, anxiety dialogue, it's it's always engaging with the like negative emotion. And so I think it's as, equally, if not more important that you remember to create space in the relationship for the positive things and mm-hmm. upregulate the positive. And so when they have an experience that is calm or peaceful or joyful or, you know, whatever they are wanting to supplant the anxiety, really get excited about that and help them to remember that wasn't it so great when we did this and, you know, wow, that was so exciting and congratulations on achieving this or that or whatever. And, and really put, make a conscious effort to put emphasis on the things that are positive. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes it can be really draining, like you said, um, to feel like every time you have like an alone moment or a time when you're having a conversation or, you know, delving into something, it's always going to the same territory. So I think like without being rude and, and, and doing the, Hey, I love you. And I, I want to create space for what you're going through. But I also want to remind you that look at all this positive stuff. And like, wasn't it fun when we went to the park and wasn't it fun when we, you know, yeah, whatever. 
a lot of tension is built when somebody's experiencing a lot of anxiety and that can be released through greater laughs later. Yes. So at some point in this, if you meet them where they are, you hear them through all of that. Yes. You can probably laugh till you cry if uh, yes. you ride through that. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And feel into, mm-hmm. is your partner someone that is comfortable being made fun of a little right. bit? Because right. I know that for me, like- um, And on which topics? Exactly. Exactly. So like knowing the places where it really helps this person to diffuse the tension by being like, oh my God, now we can both laugh at, you know, this kind of thing that at the time seemed like a catastrophe, but now is kind of, you know, funny or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like being able to show them that you really get them on such a deep level that you know exactly how to heal their pain by transmuting it and bringing out laughter. And that's another really amazing physical tension diffuser is the actual like belly laughter because um anxiety in particular is you know so stored in our stomachs and you know our our chest and so to laugh and to really have a hearty like (laughs) um, (laughs) can create and release tension in those same places (laughs) yeah yeah i've found that uh, the girls that i've dated really enjoy laughing at their flaws and uh, yes yeah. Having them poked fun at. I think yeah. it's about being seen, uh, see, totally. having someone see the parts of them that are not as they should be, but that that person still likes them and is smiling and is, is there with them and accepts yeah. them and isn't disgusted by it. Right. That's a, a relief. There's a lot of pressure yeah. put on women and, and I th- men in different ways, but yeah, I think, I think also like something with, you know, this goes for depression as well as anxiety. Like sometimes we're also so scared to share those negative things that we're experiencing because we feel like, oh my God, we're just going to be such a drag. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, having it be also fodder for, you know, laughter and lighthearted moments gives us a sense of, ah, phew, like relief of like, I'm not totally burdening this person. Like we are creating and converting it. We're converting it into something that's fun and mutually enjoyable. And it's not an excuse to keep doing it, you know, to do it forever to, you know, bombard someone with anxiety forever. Um, but it definitely makes me feel a lot better about, you know, the amount that I do choose to, uh, what I still see as kind of burdening <laughs> the people right. around me. And if you sense that your partner has a difficult time saying these things that they're anxious about, or they've, uh, avoided your question about how they're doing when they do say something like that, I think it's important to start by thanking them for being real with you. That even if you don't like hearing it, you do appreciate getting an honest version of them yeah. And for them sharing. So I think that that means a lot to just hear. Thank you for telling me that. Totally. Totally. Because it, again, it, it speaks to that. Um, oh, few. They don't feel burdened. They're yeah. they're grateful that I was so vulnerable. Yeah. They're not rejecting it. They're not starting and do it immediately. Like, you shouldn't feel that way. You have mm-hmm. so much to be grateful for, which mm-hmm. a lot of people have mm-hmm. some voice from their past that is ringing out in their head still of like, that's what they're going to respond to. I shouldn't yes. tell them any of this because it's bad for me even to be feeling this way. You have anxiety about the anxiety. Totally. So first step is just thank them for yeah. telling you the truth. Yeah. Um, and then this is a very, very much... I want to put the disclaimer on this of don't do it in the moment of the anxiety. This is an out of bedroom, out of mm-hmm. anxious moment discussion. But this you know, is I don't on a calm know. beach somewhere with a corona. <laughs> Absolutely, this is very low stakes, yeah. low emotional volatility um, conversation. Beating but the sand. I don't know, and I don't know what this person's situation is. Obviously, but um, you know, it could be a level of anxiety where they might want to talk to a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that is oh, that can always be something really sensitive to try to bring up because again you want to make the person feel not like I can't handle any of this. I don't want any part of this. Go see someone else. Take your problem somewhere else. Right. It's more of like, I think a really collaborative solution, someone who is outside of the couple, who is outside of your head, whose job it is to help people process these things, um, you know, would really be an asset and would give us some tools that we can practice at home or, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because anxiety is something that can really snowball. Um, and, and even like a low level anxiety can really uh, detract from your overall enjoyment of life. And so why not go see a therapist if you have the ability to do so and reduce that burden on yourself and yeah. get some tools for coping with it. And, um, you know, I want to even go that extra mile of saying like, and there are medications too mm-hmm. that you can take that will reduce your ruminating and anxious thinking and overall nervousness. Um, and there is no fucking shame in that. Okay. Well, we got to wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening to free advice. Good night, everybody. I hope you have (laughs) really sweet dreams tonight. And if you have nightmares, that's okay too. And if it's the daytime, which in all likelihood it is, just enjoy the rest of your time. Enjoy your nap then. (laughs) Take a nap. Just go to bed. Yeah. Take a load off. Um, I want to remind you that if you have calls for advice, please email us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this listener even said like, I'm not sure if this is even the right kind of question. Oh, no. Don't even get in your head about that. That's no. that anxiety they're, talking. They're you just send right us your question, question and let us decide. Yeah. If you got a question about having mismatched uh, foot sizes and you don't know how to buy <laughs> shoes because they only come in pairs of the same match, boy, do I have an answer for that. So... <laughs> That's up next week. <laughs> yeah. So please just ask us any questions. Whatever it is. It's not too stupid. Yeah, it's it not doesn't too have silly. to be these relationship sex problems. Although these are great too. <laughs> nothing against them. <laughs> We're clearly finding a niche here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, whatever it is, nothing's too small, nothing's too big. Let us decide if it feels like a good fit for the podcast. Yeah. And um, let us worry about that. And you just keep doing you. All right. Good night. Love you guys.